This is the Life Church Reno podcast. Here at Life Church, we seek to love God, love others, and make a difference. Today's message is from our I Am sermon series. In this series, we're looking at the seven I Am statements of Jesus, discovering who Jesus is according to His own words, and how this impacts us today. From wherever you're listening, we pray that this message encourages you. Good morning. It is great to see you guys. If I haven't met you, my name is Greg, one of the pastors here. And as always, uh, man, it's just a complete privilege and honor to be able to get to share with you guys today. Um, In 2004, there was a filmmaker by the name of Morgan Spurlock who produced this documentary called Supersize Me. Do y'all remember Supersize Me? I think we got a picture The premise was hilarious. Basically, for 30 days, he would eat nothing but McDonald's. And if the person taking his order offered to supersize it, he had to say yes and eat it. Now, I know some of you are thinking, I don't get it. Like, that's a typical day in my life. Fuck, why would they make a movie about that? The point of the whole thing was just to highlight kind of just the American diet and how unhealthy fast food is. But really it touched on another aspect of our culture, which is that we like to get more, don't we? You know, marketers and advertisers, they've really keyed in on this and they use it all the time to draw us in to buy different services or products. If you go to the grocery store, for example, just walk around and look at the packaging now. Everywhere you look, 10% more, 25% more, 30% more, family size. You know, when you go to the gas station, you cannot find a regular size candy bar anymore. They're all like king size, share size, right? Man, when I was a kid, one of my favorite things was I used to try to scratch up some change so I could then ride my bike to the local 7-Eleven to get a big gulp. Well, now they went from big gulp to super big gulp to the double gulp. And then I read just a couple years ago, they released the team gulp. It's a full gallon team gulp. I don't know what's next. I guess you, you just walk in, they hand you a five-gallon bucket and just be like, yeah, just go fill it up. <laughs> and of course, you got fast food. KFC will mega-size it. Wendy's will biggie-size it. Of course, McDonald's will supersize it. But all of this is done to offer us something more than just a regular experience. You know, we've been in the series, I Am, looking at these seven I Am statements that Jesus made about himself. And the statement that, and in the statement that we're going to be looking at today, Jesus tells us how we can have something more than just the regular Christian experience. Jesus kind of lets us in on the secret of how we can have this supersized portion of him in our lives. I think the problem though, is I believe that there's a lot of Christians, even some churches that are completely satisfied with just a small portion of Jesus, or at least an average portion. 
It's like, man, we want more of everything else, but just give me a little moderate dose of Jesus. Otherwise, it may kind of disrupt my life a little too much. But that's unfortunate because Ephesians 3.20 tells us that, listen, God wants to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. And so Jesus is gonna tell us how we can have a supersized portion of him working in our lives. So let's dive into this I am statement. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, verse one says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. I'm gonna already pause just for a second, just to give you some context. See, back in this, in Jesus's time in that part of the world, they were surrounded by vineyards. And a vine was actually, all throughout the Bible, the vine was used as a symbol to represent the nation of Israel. But the interesting thing is it's always used in a negative context. It's not a good thing. So if when Jesus says, I am the true vine, it kind of got people's attention. But what's interesting, he says, I am the true vine, which I think he's just basically saying, listen, I am the one, I am the only one you need to be rooted in. I am the one that you find identity in, not some group of people, not some nationality, not some earthly label, it's me. Let's keep reading. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in me as I also remain in you. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. I think it's important to note that these are some of Jesus's very last words. You see, Jesus speaks this in the upper room just before he would get... Uh, he would be arrested and crucified. And Jesus was about to leave his followers. He was about to leave his disciples and he wanted to make sure that they understood that the Christian life is about bearing fruit. The Christian life is about bearing fruit. You see in this passage, this progression, right? From bearing no fruit to bearing fruit to bearing more fruit to bearing much fruit. The Christian life should be a productive life. Now, I'm not talking about salvation through works. That's not what we're talking about here, right? Salvation only comes through what Jesus did on the cross. Nothing I can do, right? The Bible says my most righteous act is like a filthy rag. We're not talking about that, but we're also not talking about just hanging out. Once we give our life to Jesus, just kicking back and just waiting for heaven, to follow Jesus is to bear fruit. Now, it's not fruit as we would define it. Like I would probably define a fruitful life as, I don't know, success, fame, fortune, notoriety, respect. But the fruit that Jesus is talking about is found in Galatians 5.22 when Paul says, listen, the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, 
kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So the Christian life is about bearing spiritual fruit. That's why we're here, to bear spiritual fruit. But here's the deal. Fruit bearing is the result of this process called pruning. Look back, if you will, at John chapter 15. It says, I am the vine, true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So this, prune, this process of pruning accomplishes a couple of things in our lives. First off, it removes branches that don't produce fruit. You know, what's funny is gardeners actually have a term for this. They call them suckers. Suckers. Cut away the suckers. But it's because a branch that doesn't produce fruit just simply sucks away nutrients from the plant. Right? A branch that doesn't produce fruit simply diverts life and energy and resources away from productive branches. And so what the gardener will do is come in and cut it off. You know, theologians believe that what Jesus is talking about here, when he's talking about branches that don't produce fruit, are people who claim to be Christ followers, but their life doesn't show it. And we see this in Matthew chapter three, when John the Baptist talks about there's gonna come a time when there's, God's gonna separate the wheat from the chaff. A couple of chapters later, even Jesus, in his own words, talks about there's trees that bear good fruit and there's trees that bear bad fruit. And there's gonna come a day when God cuts down the trees that bear bad fruit and throw them in the fire. And then he goes on to say, yeah, you've, you claim my name. You do all these things in my name, but depart from me, I never knew you. And that's tragic and that's terrible and sad. But there's a principle here at work, which is fruit must reflect the character of the plant. Fruit must reflect the character of the plant. And an apple tree won't produce oranges. A peach tree won't produce coconuts. Man, the fruit reflects the character of the plant. And branches that don't produce any spiritual fruit, they are not of God. And so God will come in and he'll cut them off, cut away the suckers. Now up to this point, it's like, okay, I can follow this pruning process. It makes sense. If you have a branch that doesn't produce fruit, cut it off. But it's the second part of this process that baffles me. You see, the second thing that this process of pruning does is it cuts back a fruitful branch so that it will be even more fruitful. I'm sorry, that seems crazy to me. Like if you have this one branch and it's producing more fruit than all these other branches, why would you cut that one back? That seems crazy to me. A couple years ago, uh, right before we moved to Charlotte, we lived, I'm sorry, right before we moved to Reno, we lived in this neighborhood on the outskirts of Charlotte, North Carolina. And we had this nice house and it had this big Bradford pear tree in the front yard. 
Does anyone, do y'all know what a Bradford pear tree is? Anyone? A couple of hands. I got a picture of it. The reason why I bring this picture up is because they're everywhere, literally. A couple of weeks ago, they all bloomed white like that. And so you'll see them. Even driving around Reno, I just saw them everywhere. I thought it was an East Coast thing, but it is not. They are everywhere. But here's something interesting. Um, well, let me back up. Uh, there was one morning that it was super early. The sun was coming up and I was like, I'm still in bed. You're in that like middle ground of half awake, half asleep. And I remember hearing all this activity going on in the street out in front of our house. And man, I, I was like, oh, what's going on? So I get up, make my way downstairs, open the front door to find it. That big Bradford tree, one of the biggest I'd ever seen, had split and had fallen, completely blocking the road. And there's all these poor people trying to go to work that morning. I'm making them late. And on top of that, all of a sudden, it's like crack of dawn, and now I've got to figure out how to become Paul Bunyan the lumberjack and cut up this tree so people can go about their business. A couple of days later, I was telling some buddies of mine about it, and I have this one buddy, Phil, who he's got like all these degrees in horticulture from Clemson. He's like this plant guru. And as I was starting to tell the story, he chimed in and goes, it was a Bradford pear, wasn't it? I was like, well, yeah, how'd you know? And then my buddy Phil began to educate me on Bradford pears. And as he was telling me this, man, I'm getting one of the most deep theological lessons I'd ever gotten in my life. You see, Listen to this, Bradford pears were introduced in the 60s by land developers. Guys who were building subdivisions and neighborhoods and houses, kind of like we are surrounded by right now, right? But they would, they would come in and they would build these houses and they would plant Bradford pears. Here's why. They're the fastest growing tree. There's a problem though. They have terrible limb structure. And they grow faster than any other tree, but guess what? They also have the weakest branches. And eventually what will happen is as that tree grows, it will eventually break apart, split, and die under the weight of itself. Listen to this. A Bradford pear lacks the time needed to mature so that it's strong enough to support the fruit it produces. <laughs> That's good. I don't care who you are. I'm gonna repeat that so you catch it. A Bradford pear lacks the time needed to mature to so that's strong enough to support the fruit it produces. Listen, sometimes your giftings will take you to places your character can't sustain you. And we've all seen it, haven't we? We see these people, they shoot up out of nowhere like a bottle rocket, experience this overnight success, only to crash and burn because they did not have the maturity to handle it. Listen, sometimes God prunes us so that we have the time to mature and to develop the strength, the character, and the perseverance needed to support future fruit.
Sometimes God, sometimes God prunes us so that we have the time to mature, so that we are strong enough. We do have the character to be able to sustain the fruit we're going to produce. We see this in the life of Moses. Moses, born an Israelite. At the time he was born, the Egyptians were killing the firstborn sons of the, of the, of the Israelites. And so Moses' mother puts him in a basket, floats him down a river, right? He goes, the Pharaoh's daughter who's bathing in the river finds him, adopts him as her very own son. He's raised as a prince of Egypt. And the Bible says he was mighty, in speech and action. And if you kind of read between the lines, you basically see Moses was a little full of himself. And then there's this one day when this Egyptian's abusing this Israelite. Well, Moses goes over, kills the Egyptian, and he says, now's my moment. It's time. Israel, have no fear. Your savior Moses is here. And the Israelites are like, I don't think so. And it's like crickets, crickets. And then Moses finds himself running like a fugitive. Ends up in the middle of nowhere in the backside of this desert for 40 years. And I can only imagine that during that time, he had to have thought, man, God has fully abandoned me or God is punishing me for something. And you guys know the story. One day Moses is out. And there's this burning bush and God speaks to him and says, Moses, listen, I need you to go and deliver my people out of slavery in Egypt. And what was Moses's response? He said, you got the wrong guy. I can't do it. Listen, in that moment, the pruning process had achieved its purpose. You see, for those 40 years in the desert, what God was doing was peeling back those layers of pride, those layers of self-reliance, those layers of thinking, I'm all this, I'm all that. And he was bringing Moses to a point that when God says, I need you to do something, Moses said, I can't. And that's when God says, now I can use you. Now you have the maturity to handle what I'm about to show you and do through you. Sometimes, God prunes us so that we have the time needed to develop the maturity, strength, and the character for future fruit. The second reason for pruning back a fruitful branch is this, is that without pruning, what will happen is a lot of times a plant will become just dependent upon its former success. Phrase it this way. Without pruning, a plant will just simply produce what it did the prior season. But something fascinating occurs when you cut back a fruitful branch. That plant, what it will do is it'll, it'll gather all these nutrients, gather this energy, and all of a sudden, listen, the branches will burst forth with new shoots that have the capacity to pr- produce fruit way more than it formerly could. It bursts forth with the ability to produce fruit more than it ever could in the past. And in the process of pruning, there's times when God will cut us back. He'll cut back our former successes that we either become comfortable with or dependent upon. And he does it, listen to this church, to force us into new areas of productivity and purpose. 
Isn't that awesome? Man, it makes me go, God, bring on the pruning. I'm ready. But here's the problem. Or not a problem, I shouldn't say, but being cut back, it hurts. Being cut back, it hurts. And it's in those moments of being cut back that we often question God. God, why did you take that relationship away from me? They were the only person that cared about me. God, why did you take that job away from me? It was the only thing I was good at. God, why did you bring that tragedy? God, everything was going smooth. I was trying to do everything right. Why did you let that happen? And I want you to understand, church, listen, pruning is not punishment. Pruning does not mean that you've done something wrong. Because we see in John 15 that even if you have a fruitful life, you're still going to experience being cut back. God prunes us out of love because he sees our potential for fruit bearing. He prunes us out of love because he sees the potential in us. He prunes us because that's where real growth happens. I can tell you this, church, in my own life, the seasons where I grew the most were always the most painful ones. And man, I would never want to go back and relive those experiences. I would never want to go back and have to walk through those again. But at the same time, I would never trade them for anything because it was in those moments that I grew the most and it was in those moments that I came out on the other side stronger. God prunes us out of love because he sees our potential. I was this week watching a documentary on grape growers, vineyards in Napa. I'll be honest, I tried to talk Pastor Dave into letting me go to Napa for a week to do some research. Um, he wasn't buying it. But you know what? I found this fascinating as I was watching this. Um, as much technology as we have today, and as much as agriculture has become automated, pruning vineyards is still done by hand. And it's incredibly time-consuming and meticulous. I found it fascinating that here in 2022, that pruning a vineyard takes just an immense amount of care and intentionality on the part of the vine dresser. In the same way, what may seem like an act of punishment, what may feel like an act of, of abandonment, is actually the loving hand of the Father pruning us for a new season of fruit bearing. Let's look back at John 15. Verse four, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless 
you remain in me. You know, it's interesting here in this passage in John 15 that that word remain, or some translations may say abide, is used 10 times in this passage, 10 times. I think Jesus knew who his audience was. I need to hear it 10 times before I get it. But that tells me that bearing fruit is directly related to abiding in Christ. That tells me that if I want to produce fruit, it's the result of time and intimacy with God. Man, if you want to have a productive life, if you want to experience true, lasting success, if you want to experience a a whole new season of fruit bearing, it requires remaining and abiding in God. Man, there's been times in my life where I would, I was fully, you know, willing to visit Jesus on Sundays, but I wasn't abiding in him. There were times in my life when, man, I would have these brief interactions with Jesus when I needed something or I was in a tough spot, but I wasn't remaining in him. What's funny is it's the whole time I'm wondering why, man, my, my life was just fruitless in those seasons. It's because the fruit of our lives is directly related to intimacy and time with him. Let's keep reading verse five. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, Jesus does not say, apart from me, you can do no things. Because we do a lot of things without him, don't we? I do a lot of things apart from him. What he is saying here, though, is that apart from him, we can do nothing that's fruitful, nothing that's meaningful, nothing that's lasting, or nothing that's eternal. You see, I do a lot apart from him, but those things don't matter and won't last. You know, I've been fortunate and just blessed that through the years, God, for whatever reason, has chosen to use me in some way to bring value or to help some person in some way. And, and I'm grateful for it and I just feel blessed that for whatever reason he chose to use me in someone's life. But it's funny how in those moments, so often I wanna take credit for it. In those moments of, God uses me or my life or my life seems to kind of produce some some level of fruit that all of a sudden, man, I start to kind of think, all right, pretty impressed with myself. And my chest kind of puffs out, start strutting around. And we cover it up with these, as Christians, we're great at covering that up with cliches. Oh, it's not me, it's all God. He is my source of strength. And the truth is, man, my dependency isn't found in him. I'm living life apart from him. 
I'm like some branch over here trying to force out fruit without the vine. And what's funny is the minute things don't go my way, I'm immediately reminded, listen, the ability to produce fruit doesn't come from a branch, it comes from the vine. And anything good in me, anything good that comes out of my life is just simply him. It's his life, his power, his grace, his strength being extended through my life. It has nothing to do with me. And in John chapter 15, Jesus tells us that everything hinges on one simple fact. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Let's bow our heads. I think after hearing these words of Jesus in John chapter 15, that there's probably a lot of us in here who are kind of rethinking some circumstances that we're currently going through. I think of in light of this process of pruning that we're, probably a lot of us in here are starting to reframe some things we're walking through. And there may be some of you here today that you just feel like your life is fruitless. You feel like you're one of those unproductive branches that's been cut off, that's on the ground, just drying up, withering, dying. And if that's you, I just want to tell you, root yourself in Jesus. Tap into him, plug into him. He is the source of all things good. For others, you may have experienced some success in your life, but you didn't lack the maturity to handle it. And your life has looked like that Bradford pear tree where you've just shot up and then you've split apart. And if that's you, I wanna just encourage you, put yourself on the potter's wheel. Let God work in your life. Let him mold you. Let him shape you. He's not done with you yet. And then finally, there may be some of you here today that You've been, you've trying your best to do everything right, but you've experienced being cut back. And it's painful. But I want to encourage you that pruning is not an act of punishment. but it's the loving hand of God preparing you for a new, a new season of fruit bearing. 
And that is the promise in John chapter 15 that listen, even when we don't know it, when we don't see it, we don't feel it, he's at work in your life. I had a good friend when he would be going through a tough time. He would always pray. He never prayed for God to take away the tough circumstance. He just prayed, God, whatever it is you want me to learn, I pray I'll learn it quick. And if you're experiencing being cut back, just know he's preparing you for a new season. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much. for the promises found in John chapter 15. That God, you were always at work in my life, molding me and shaping me to be more like you. God, even in the moments when it's hard, when it hurts, God, I pray that I would be open to your hand. I would be open to the process of pruning in my life so that, God, you'll bring me to a new place of fruit bearing, a new season. God, give me the strength to walk through it. Give me the strength and the patience to receive what you have for me, even when it's hard. God, I thank you that you do it out of love. God, you do it out of care and intentionality. That God, you're not done with me yet and you don't leave me just to wander through life aimlessly, but God, you have a plan and purpose for me. And again, God, I pray you would just work in me Mold me, remove what you need to remove from me so that I can experience what you have. God, I pray for this whole church that God, we would be a people that remain and abide in you. That God, we would be quick to realize anything good in us, anything good that comes from us. God, anything good that comes from this church is because of you and comes from you. And God, we claim, John 15, that apart from you, we can do nothing. But God, with you, through you, in you, God, there's nothing we can't do. God, we love you. We praise you. Lord, we thank you for your word. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Life Church We Know podcast. Remember to subscribe to catch more of the I Am series and to hear more messages like this. You can also find more information at lifechurchreno.com.